I only say stuff in the anticipation that you're recording, honestly. Wow. So you're not even here for the conversation. No. No. God, no. I that... fucking hate you. <laughs> honestly, it checks out. <laughs> it really checks out at this point. Okay. I mean, I'm ready to go. All okay. right. Well, I'm ready to give it a shot if you are. Hang on. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Hey, everybody. I'm Chase. And I'm Chloe. And welcome to Back to the Pilot. Today, we're heading back to a time of awkwardness and voice cracks as we rediscover our bodies with big mouth and sex education. So let's get uncomfortable as we take you back to the pilot. I like that we're rediscovering our bodies. Yeah. As if I ever discovered mine. <laughs> I'm still looking for mine. <laughs> I still don't it's know somewhere. where parts are. Like, where are the boobs? But they don't, they don't exist. They're fake. Oh, that really checks that, out. You know, you've heard the term fake boobs? Yes, I have. Yeah, see? Makes sense. Makes sense. So I am obviously first this week. Yes, you are. Yes, yes, you are. So tell me, Chase, what do you know about sex education? And not like just general sex education, but the TV show right. Sex Education. Right, not yeah. abstinence. Um, Anal, all that kind <laughs> uh, of thing. All that, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, I'd heard of this show, but I mean, I didn't know much about it. Mm -hmm. I, I knew it was a show about sex education. <laughs> I got Damn, that far. so intuitive. Um, but this, this was the first time I've watched it. I didn't even know it was British. No? Um, so I didn't know it took place in England. And after watching the episode, I was left with a single burning question. What the fuck is a curly whirly? Oh, it's got to be something British, right? I didn't look it up. I mean, it's I assumed it. I assumed it had to be. I've never fucking heard of a curly whirly. I mean, I and I watch. I watch British YouTubers. Oh, and they don't even mention curly whirlies. I'm sure they have. Well, but technically, never described this one. technically this show takes place in Wales, so maybe it's slightly different off brand from like England, like London, England. I don't know. Okay, interesting. I'm just, I'm just saying. Good to know. Good yeah. to know. That's all I got. I mean, it's in a fake town, so I don't know. Either way, um, I'm just going to start getting into it then. All right? Sound good? Go for it. Okay. Sounds so good. So the title of the first episode is episode one. It's not even pilot. It's nice. just episode one. All the episodes are just literally episode one, episode two, and that's all it is. That, that's their Until creative. the last episode. Oh, wait. Is the last episode no. named something? No, I'm just kidding. I have no oh, idea. Okay. No, I was like, no, I think they're I all literally just episodes. It would be kind of funny. But no, yeah, they're just, it's just called. Last episode. one's just called Climax. <laughs> that would be actually so, so great. <laughs> Missed opportunity, honestly, for being realistic honestly. here. But anyway, so yeah, the pilot episode is called Episode One. It was released on January 11th, 2019 on Netflix. And you can only watch it on Netflix with a subscription. And then uh, the creator's name is Lori Nunn. The series synopsis is a teenage boy with a sex therapist mother teams up with a high school classmate to set up an underground sex therapy clinic at school. I like that it's underground. <laughs> uh, I just like that that's the word. Just um, illegal. Yeah, illegal that's what it therapy. sounds like, right? Okay, and I mean, then the, to be fair, it's probably illegal. You probably need a license oh yeah, to that's true. be a therapist. So. This is true. Um, and then the synopsis is, despite the ministrations of sex therapist mom Jean and encouragement from Eric, Otis worries he can't get it on, but he's not the only one. So, yeah. I've never, I don't even know what the Mysterious. term. Mysterious. 
Mysterious. Ministrations? Yeah, well, I don't know that word. Well, have you heard the term administrations? Yeah, that's what I thought, but... Yeah, it's that, but without the ad. I guess I didn't know that that was a word. You learn something new every day. All right, let's get into the creator's backstory a little bit. So, Lori Nunn was born in London, England, with uh, to two parents within the arts. Her father is a theater director named Trevor Nunn, and her mother is Sharon Lee Hill, who is an actress in Australia, an Australian actress. Um, I don't really know either of them, but she uh, she explains that them being in the arts is really why she got into the arts, so that's kind of cool. Um, at the age of 14, her parents split and she moved from London to Melbourne, Australia, causing a massive jolt in her life, but primarily a massive jolt in her high school experience, which kind of will come back to that uh, when we start talking about the show a little more. But she received a uh, bachelor's of arts and bachelor's bachelor of arts. Jeez Louise. She received a, a bachelor, bachelor of arch. <laughs> arches. No, that would be if she's an architect. True. Bachelor of Arts. Exactly. Come on. Um, so she, she, it is a good pun. <laughs> uh, she received a BA. I'm just gonna say BA. It's easier. A BA in the uh, in film and television at Victorian College of the Arts, which was in uh, Australia, and that was in 2007. And then in 2012, she got her master's in screenwriting from the National Film and Television School in England. So, she obviously was going for film and television pretty pretty quickly in life in an uh, in an interview with uh, BAFTA she talks about how she always was interested in storytelling from a young age and then in her early teens her mom actually gave her a video camera which made her grow a love for filmmaking and then in her 20s she actually became more interested in television as a medium because you can in her words you can get such a deep intimate understanding of the characters in a way that's not as possible in other forms of visual storytelling which I thought was pretty cool. So she went on to then write for, she just, she did a lot of freelance writing. Um, she worked with a production company, 11 film, uh, that, I mean, she didn't really have anything before this show though. Like she graduated 2012, did writing here and there. Um, I don't actually know how she made her money. I don't know if she made money off of writing or what, but she didn't have anything of her own until this show this was her first big thing hmm. the only like nice. stuff she had really done was written and directed a couple short films and then had some production companies like hire her for some ideas and like hashing out some writing but nothing of her own nothing that really landed of her original work but yeah so the creation of her first big hit was actually so just like how they came up with the idea was a seed of an idea which was just a one-liner from a producer that none had worked with at the company I mentioned, Eleven Film, uh, where the producer literally was like, what would happen if we put a teenage sex therapist on a school campus? That's literally where the idea <laughs> of this entire show came up, like came to be. They were just like, one producer one day was just like, what about this idea? If we put a teenage sex therapist on a school campus, which I just like find so interesting because who's thinking about that? Like, when I was in school, that wasn't a thing. Like, a sex therapist for teenagers? Is that a thing now? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't fucking know. I mean, my health, my, like, even my health class, that they never called sex education, it's just a health class, they never really talked about, like, that kind of shit. They talked about spreading STDs, yeah, like, and that's about it. Sex ed in my health class was, um, it was, it wasn't bad 
like it wasn't just abstinence, right? Like yeah. I know that that's a that's the bad one. You don't want to be in a health class that just teaches abstinence. Yeah. Um, or that kissing boys will make you pregnant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it wasn't in depth. Yeah. No. Same. Very not in depth, and that's actually kind of why none uh, really liked this idea. Because she kind of said the same thing when she was in school. She had no form of true sex education in her high school ever. So I don't know if that's kind of the same as ours or if she's like saying to the extent of like they didn't even have health classes. I don't know. But this is why this concept struck her fancy a lot. Um, so from that one liner, she none ended up actually writing a pilot script that uh, her and Eleven Films tried to pitch. Like they just began pitching the show to various production other productions bigger platforms that it could be produced by and funded by nothing landed unfortunately they did it they pitched it to a bunch of different places i don't i everywhere i looked it didn't show me who they pitched it to it just said that they pitched it to a bunch of people and nobody nobody liked it enough to to green light it but then somehow netflix came across their script didn't say if they uh sent it to them before then or not but netflix came across the script expressed interest in it and then invited them in to pitch it even more so, more in-depthly. So from that, they created a uh, production Bible, which is essentially just what you want the show to look like and how you want it to be and that kind of stuff, like what characters you might see. And that's really all there. All it was, all of their production Bible was, was a gathering of a bunch of images of old teen films and TV shows that the producers and none really liked. So Freaks and Geeks, 10 Things I Hate mm -hmm. About You. She said a lot of John Hughes stuff, which is interesting because it's all American-based stuff. And this is a British well, I mean, show. Yeah, but it's hard to find a lot of media that's not American-based, to be honest. True, true. But like the high school, Amer the American high school experience is drastically different from... That's true. So it's, it's just interesting, but... It sold at the end of the day. It it was something that Netflix liked, and it sold. Something that was kind of funny about their Bible is that after they got all of these images together, they actually had, <laughs> they paid someone to draw graffiti penises all over it to really sell the concept of the show, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and in an interview with The Guardian, Nunn said, we actually had to go back and forth and say, can you make this penis a bit smaller? Can you make that one have less semen? And it was just wow. a funny, it's just a funny little tidbit of information that I'm just like, wait, what? That's, that's funny. <laughs> but Netflix loved it. And they said, yes, they greenlit it. Um, and honestly, from there, it was just kind of smooth sailing uh, as far as like obstacles go for the actual show. They're, other than like the one of them trying to sell it, the only other, it's not really an obstacle, but the only other kind of interesting fact around it is that none was actually on the brink of changing careers before Netflix picked up the show because she had worked, like I said, she had nothing big before this. This is her first really big thing. And in that same interview that I was reading with The Guardian, she said that she developed a lot of stuff. She had a lot, a lot of stuff in development, but she had just never gotten anything to get to be greenlit and that she was 30 and just really thinking about retraining and going into something into a totally different, like not even in, within the film industry or the television industry, like totally different. She was, she was actually going to be an accountant. No, ironically, she was going to become a therapist, which oh. is just ironic because of the fact that the show is about a sex therapist mom and his and her son, you know, was it was it sex therapy? 
was just like generic. <laughs> didn't say it, just said therapist. Say. She just said therapist, I'm gonna, yeah. I go out on a limb and say it was sex therapy. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm, I'm that's my nar- that's my narrative. I'm sticking with it. That's my narrative. I'm sticking with it. Um another just interesting thing about the show once it was out is that and this is where her going to Melbourne when she was 14 um, comes into play is that a lot of the viewers because it was a British show granted it was on Netflix and it was available to all audiences but a lot of the British reviews of it said that they didn't necessarily like how it was so that it was a show that took place in the UK but it was so Americanized and I mean to her she's like honestly that's what I grew up on and I didn't go to high school in the UK. She went to high school in Australia and so she just she had this big jolt and change in her life and she started high school in the UK, finished in Australia obviously. And she was just kind of like, "You know what? We're catering to an American audience then and that's fine by me and Netflix is fine with it, so whatever." And hey, as long as I'm getting paid. Hey, that's as what long she as said. I can, exactly. Hey, as long as I can stay in this industry and look, not man. become a therapist. Look, man, it's fucking, it's good shit. Just watch it. Okay? Yeah, exactly. I mean, but that's, they weren't even necessarily like negative reviews. It was like that one comment. Right. And like after that, I mean, it's, they're on a season two now. They're approved for a season three. So, I mean, you know, who cares? People like it. Yeah, who the fuck cares? Who the cares? fuck are you? Not no. her. She doesn't <laughs> give a shit. She She's like, I don't sh- care what you think. I'm making a season three. Sugma. So fuck off. <laughs> so fuck you. Yeah. But I mean, other than that, uh, I kind of did just a tiny bit on the actors because like, I know I kind of sped through this. I feel like I talked really fast, but there wasn't a whole lot. I didn't feel like her. you talked that fast, but. Oh, okay. That's good. I mean, I think um, it's just because like, there's really isn't that much about her seeing as this isn't, yeah. there's not much about her or about the show because. They didn't have any issues once it was approved through Netflix. And if they did, there's nothing out about it. There's no information out about it. But literally, I mean, the biggest thing is there's not much about how people got casted or how they chose people. But like two of the most notable names are the the lead and then his mom, uh, Asa Mm -hmm. Butterfield, uh, who played Otis. The main the main character is known for his movies like Endgame, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, Hugo. I mean, he's been in he's very recognizable. You mean Ender's Game? Did I say Endgame? Whoops. Ender's you said Game. Endgame. <laughs> Classic. Ender's Game. Sorry. Yeah. Ender's Game. Not he's not in the Avengers. No. No. I was gonna say he that's not Tom Holland. That's not Tom. He's not Spider Man. <laughs> no, but he is British. Um He's British and he's pale white. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, then, Tom Holland. Sorry, Tom Holland. Okay. Uh and then his mom was played by Jillian Anderson, uh, which is what the entire show is stemmed off of her, the sex therapist. Um, I don't, there's a lot of stuff. I don't know that like what she's, she was in Downton Abbey and some other things, but she's just been in. A she's t- got a very recognizable face. Yeah. But she's been in a ton of stuff. Just nothing that I truly recognize that much of, but, and I mean, they're just two really well-known people in general that were like the two leads, which I think honestly helped them in the long run. But the rest of the, actors genuinely like this is especially like most of the kids that you see throughout the the show and especially in the first uh episode this is their first big thing like they've done little things Mm -hmm. here and there short films plays and that kind of stuff but nothing nothing that big so i just found that interesting and then finally just some other shows that came out in 2019 were the boys on amazon 
the Mandalorian. These are all like kind of sh- I pick shows that were fit the kind of uh, what is the the target audience? No, the target audience of. Oh. Which ironically, these are all streaming except for I guess I mean HBO's on TV and streaming, but so the boys was on Amazon. Uh, the Mandalorian came out in 2019. Euphoria, which was on HBO, and then The Umbrella Academy. Those are all really notable, successful shows that all came out around the same time and have yeah. a generally same target audience. So similar, similar audience. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's sex education for you. Their season three, they're working on it. They haven't filmed it yet. I know that. Um, but you want to do? It looks good. I mean, we don't do a ton of shows that are still filming. So this is true. Like or it's it's one of those streaming. few times. Uh, it's one of those few times where, you know, it's it's a show that you could get into without the sadness of either it was canceled after a season or or, and, it's or has over. an ending. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's just like, you know, even if it had a bunch of seasons, we've done a lot of ones that were have finished at this point. So But yeah. Um I will say before we get into superlatives, uh mm-hmm. I'm gonna send you a photo. Oh. This is not for here. the viewers listening, and this we don't have vi- one for, for viewers, viewers watching either. But this is a curly whirly. Oh. Um, I just looked it up. Oh, it's a, so like it's a candy Cadbury. bar. So oh, it's, it's Cadbury. Yeah, so imagine it looks like a pretzel twist, but instead of a chocolate-covered pretzel, it's, it's caramel, caramel, where the pretzel would be. Hmm. So it's chocolate-covered caramel just in a long pretzel twist kind of yeah. bar. I don't think I'm doing a very good job of explaining it. No, it's a good explanation. But yeah, get look it I up. Don't, those are definitely I not in the so US. I was so confused. There's no yeah. way those well, are. Cadbury is a very English, British. Uh, what I was gonna say, Cadbury here is far more. Uh, the uh, only thing uh, that people really associate with Cadbury is Cadbury eggs. cream eggs. Yeah, that you get usually around Easter. So. But they definitely sell a lot more in. Uh, oh yeah, hundred percent. I just it's not a very Hershey's kind of holds that. Yes. Yeah. Hershey's does hold that market here. Yeah. Cool. Hershey's and Mars. Um, we don't need to trail off into a full blown. No, we don't. <laughs> uh, we can move I was on. I going to say, I'm not going to continue. This I just wanted to, I just so wanted to far. explain it. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Neither I of do. us knew what it was. So I looked it up and just wanted to uh, talk through it. You can cut as much of that out as you like. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. Thank you. Cool. All right. Sepoilatives. Sepoilatives. You want to go first? Or you want me to? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, favorite character was um, I already forgot his name. The gay friend. Oh, uh... I didn't write it down. I just wrote the gay friend on my. Screen <laughs> <here>. <laughs> I just love that the gay friend. I Eric, liked him. Eric. Eric is the name. Eric. Of him. That's it. Yeah, he is great. Eric. I do love him. He was funny. Yeah. Um, made me laugh. And there, the, his relationship with Otis is so great, and it just gets better yes. throughout the show. But um, uh, my have favorite. Have you watched the show? I've watched the full show, yeah, season two. You didn't all. really talk about what you knew at the beginning of this, so. Oh shit! Um, You're right. I didn't. That's fine. I was just so yeah. I didn't know. I mean, yeah, I can touch on it real quick. I I did. I watched the whole show. It's great. I I don't even. I just, I think I just found it one day, honestly, on Netflix. It was being advertised whenever it came out. I definitely watched the gotcha. first season like around the time it came out in 2019. I thought it was good. It looked interesting, and then. When we were talking about shows to do, I just I thought this would be an interesting one because we haven't done a lot of British shows outside of like it was. The Office. And even we did then, whose line is it anyway? Yeah. Sort of. Actually, we did it's both American renditions on things that had British shows. We did The Office and Whose Line Is It Anyway. Yes, that's so, exactly what we did. Yeah. Well, I did Whose Line, the British pilot. 
Oh, okay. Oh, you're right. You did. Or when you we did. did it, I didn't at the when we did the office. I didn't do. No, but we the discussed British the British one. Obviously, we did discuss it a little bit, but yeah. Okay. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so you picked Eric as uh, the best character, and I picked uh, his. I picked Otis's mom, Jean. I just loved mm -hmm. her so I was, much. I was between those two. Yeah, so I definitely. It was between those two for me. I was definitely on the edge of that. Um, I love Otis too, but I, I just I like we've talked about before. I don't really like picking the main character as my favorite unless it's like really obvious that they're a favorite. But no, I just mm -hmm. I love Jean. She's just like so open, so just willing to ch obviously because she's a sex therapist. I just love all of her openness in general and her just willingness to talk about things that nobody wants to talk about and she's just I don't know, funny i like it i liked her yeah uh my uh least favorite character was adam the bully same uh like as much as that dude kind of has a redemption he's just a dick yeah he's he's definitely I it. and it, i mean he's supposed classic, to be a dick needs the necessary evil yeah He's like an unnecessary dick and it's like it's clear what all of his issues are from right like mm -hmm. most of it just is obvious that it stems from the fact that his dad is the grandmaster wait what is it called grandmaster Head Head <laughs> grandmaster <laughs> i knew it was wrong the second i said grandmaster but whatever uh yeah i mean and he does he gets a bit of a redemption and the more you watch the show too he, his growth is great it's it's a lot of fun watching him but he is the worst character in this first episode for sure yeah. Uh, favorite part? Um, my favorite, yeah. My favorite part was uh, uh, like close to the beginning when he's setting up the fake masturbation scene. <laughs> yeah. And then the guy walk, and then the 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 one night stand dude walks in mm -hmm. and just introduces himself, like, <laughs> and yeah. then he's like, he shakes his hand and looks down, and then he's like, "Don't worry, I'm left left handed," <laughs> yeah. even though he didn't even do anything. Yep. Uh, I like that part too, but my actual favorite part uh, was the when Gene talks to Adam about what or when they're sorry when they're smoking weed and then she talks to him about it and it I like how weed can make you impotent and I just I don't know I just thought that part was so funny because it was just like such a, it it combined the best parts of gene and the worst parts of adam and just made like such a perfectly awkward scene <laughs> and it was just so like it was so great too because it's like adam had it just came out of left field for him he was so not fucking ready for oh, it yeah. and it just was so funny to watch i i just enjoy that part a lot it is it's a good part yeah did you um, have a, a least favorite I did. Uh, my least favorite was definitely, this was the easiest for me out of all of these questions. Uh, oh, my wow. least favorite scene was the French horn scene. Um, That's and this is going to sound, this might sound it's really nerdy. It's, it's going to be a fucking nerdy pretentious. Well, I was going to say, it, 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 might sound, it might sound a little pretentious, but as somebody who played an instrument, knowing that somebody's at that level, like he's playing as though he just started. He's not playing like somebody who's been playing for a while. Mm-hmm. And would be at this point in high school or secondary school or whatever it is. You can tell because he's he mentions that he played it in the past, mm -hmm. and it's just it's just cringy and bad. <laughs> just cringy and bad. Um, honestly, I wish I had something like that, but I could not pick a specific thing that I didn't like. I think the only part I, I feel like was really cringe for me to watch is like towards the end 
when Adam goes in the cafeteria and shows his penis to everyone, and you're just mm-hmm. like, why? why? Why is that how you had to own yourself? I'm so confused. Like, why he had to show his dick to the entire fucking class. And the entire... Like, that was just something to me that I was like, why can't he just be like, say this stuff about... I know it's him owning his narrative, and it's like a moment of like power for his character. I just thought it was so weird and maybe not as necessary but it wasn't like a horrible part it was just kind of weird and unnecessary to me yeah i, I can see that the um, dick showing part the like standing up in front of everybody talking about the grandmaster grandmaster damn it <laughs> the, the headmaster being his dad and all that that is necessary that makes sense but the it just i don't know then just pull then just dropping his pants and just yeah then just like everybody. committing a literal crime and flashing everybody like yeah but yeah. Well, Good. that's why he sucks. <laughs> that's why he sucks. Exactly. Uh, noodle stars. Uh, the good noodly stars. Um, I, I, I thought it was great. I gave it a six out of seven. Uh, really well done. Nice. I like it. I was uh, on the same level. I did six, six point yeah. five. I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, like the I was least a favorite fan part of, was... um... Oh yeah. Go on. Sorry. Oh no, you're. I, mean, I was just gonna say my least favorite part doesn't even necessarily take away from the. It doesn't take away from the show at all, and it. Yeah, I mean, it's still good. Yeah. I liked it. Neither does mine. I was gonna say a lot of the uh, the little details in this show, um, definitely made it for me. For one, the scene where he opens up his locker and he's got the two coke cans stacked up. That little detail was very. Uh, just taking that time to put in that little detail, I thought was very cool. Did you notice that? Uh, yeah, no, no, I did notice that. Um, I thought I thought that was very interesting detail and very smart. And then there was some there was some other detail that I was going to mention, but I've it has since left my mind talking about the Coke cans. <laughs> I think it's safe to say this show is just very well written. It's very intellectually pleasing while also providing the awkward teen stuff very reminiscent yeah. of all the shows honestly that they shows and movies that they referenced in their their production bible um mm-hmm. it's just like it's weird especially because the show starts off i mean it literally starts off with a sex scene and yeah, it's like straight up porn at the beginning it is and it's just like so funny because you're like what the fuck am i watching when you first start it and then you're like oh this is gonna be like, we're just getting that out of the way. Like, hey, some of this is going to happen in this show, and it's okay. But most of it mm-hmm. is talking about high school, not being familiar with your body, and just, like, learning this shit with us as these characters figure it out. So Yeah. I mean, it's an important scene, right? Because it sets up Adam's incompetence. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is, like, ironic. It's interesting, too, because it's, like, in a way... This first episode, obviously Otis is is the lead, but Adam is kind of the second lead in this, right? Like you're I mean, I would say that he's the main stories. character. Like Adam's the Adam's the main, not Adam. Uh, Otis is. It's about him, mm-hmm. but it Adam in this episode is the main character. It's yeah, it's about what Otis does for Adam and and how Adam's Sorry, Adam being helped pushes the drive of and sets up the rest of the show and what the setting of the show is going to be. Well, and he's a perfect, they're parallels of one another, right? Just on two opposite sides of the spectrum. You have Adam, this really big, strong guy, 
somewhat seems fairly confident in a way outside of the sex world. Like as he presents himself as a public person, he's fairly confident. He's not like a popular kid by any means, but he's not one to be fucked with. And then you have Otis, who's the scrawny, goofy kid who's clearly at the bottom of the food chain of this school in a way and who's just as as insecure with his sexual desires as adam is so it's just like Mm -hmm. they're like perfect parallels of one another just on two different sides of the social world totally and i remember what i was going to say the other detail or the other things that i meant that i noticed Mm -hmm. during the show was just and you mentioned the impact uh the inspiration from american high school dramas um you could see a lot of that in this like the head boy being very jockey and uh this, this kind of clicky vibe and i i get that that's not that's not a american culture thing but it is very much shown in a lot of american drama and american high school drama specifically though that kind of clicky you can see these groups together They've got the popular kids and the jocks and the nerds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was just yeah. very interesting to me to see that, but in a British setting. Yeah. No, it's definitely, you can see the inspiration in the show for sure. But I mean, overall, a great show. Well done. And I highly recommend really well watching. If you liked the first episode, I highly recommend watching the, the rest of it. Yeah. It's very, I just might. The, the character development is really fun. Honestly, it's really well done. So, yeah. And it's not that predictable. Like it is and it isn't. So, I don't know. Overall, good. It's a good show. It's good. It's good. Good shit. Your turn, bitch. Oh, it's my turn. Mm-hmm. Big mouth. Heard of it? Heard of it? Yes. Uh, what do you know? Uh, the only thing I really know about it, other than like watching it, is that it's Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. I believe they created it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that it's a animated show about middle school kids and very intense sex stuff. <laughs> that is pretty accurate. Um, yeah. I was I would say that I knew similar stuff. I have not watched all of it, but I watched the first season when it came out, and then I just kind of dropped the ball on the on the remaining seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but similar to you, other than watching it, I knew it was Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, and it was a middle school show about puberty, uh, or going through puberty, rather. But with that said, I will get into the summary. The episode title of the first episode is Ejaculation, not just episode one. Nice. Um, That's way better than mine. And it was released. <laughs> it was released on September twenty ninth, two thousand seventeen. Also on Netflix. So naturally, the only place you can watch it is on Netflix with subscription. And the show synopsis goes: Teenage friends find their lives upended by the wonders and horrors of puberty. And then the episode synopsis is: As Andrew falls under the spell of the Randy hormone monster, his buddy Nick becomes obsessed with the lack of changes in his own body. And it was created by Andrew Goldberg, Mark Levin, Jennifer Flackett, and Nick Kroll. It was not created by John Mulaney. Oh, wow. Learn something new every which day. Which I, I, I did not know that as well. I thought, similar to you, I thought that it was created by or co-created by John Mulaney. I wonder, I mean, this is probably too early of a question, or you might not have looked it up, but did John Mulaney at least do some writing on it? Uh, no, he did not. Oh, wow. At least not that I saw. 
Interesting. Um, all right. Cool. All the writing was done by, uh, mostly by Andrew Goldberg. Um, all right. But they had a team. They had a team of writers. Um, they didn't say who was on the team specifically. It was just a bunch of writers that they hired. So it's yeah. possible that John Mulaney did some writing and some idea yeah, on stuff. the team. Yeah, but, just never. Okay, yeah, uh, just never right. episodes on this. Never team. officially that I saw. Yeah, as I was looking through stuff. Fair. Anyways, cool. So I'll get into it. Yeah. Um, we'll start with Andrew Goldberg. He was born in 1978 in White Plains, New York, and he grew up as the childhood best friend of Nick Kroll. And he went on to earn his Bachelor's of Arts at Columbia University, which was in the year 2000, and then eventually his uh, MFA, which I don't actually know what that stands for. Obviously, it's a master's, but I don't know what the FA stands for. Fine. Master's of Fine Arts. Fine Arts. Oh, Master's of Fine Arts. Mm -hmm. Master's of Fine Arts at the UCLA School of Film and Television, which was just two years later. So he went directly from bachelor's to, or from undergrad to grad, and then graduated with his master's two years later. Uh, and the only experience that he really had uh, prior to Big Mouth was his work with Family Guy. He wrote for Family Guy. And one of the things that he did write, which is funny to me, he wrote a book called Family Guy, Brian's Guide to Booze, Broads, and the Lost Art of Being a Man. Nice. I love it. But that was really all of his experience in writing prior to his work with Nick Kroll on Big Mouth. But uh, I'll get into sort of the creation of oh, Big Mouth I later, was like, obviously. I was really, like you saying that, I was like, I know that name, and it's because that's the name of John Mulaney's character <laughs> in Andrew, the show. Yes. Yeah, so I was it's like, It's Andrew Glauberg. I thought it was the same I as believe. the creator, but maybe different. I don't no, know. No, it's not. It's not the same as the creator. Okay. Um, but yes, I'll get into that in a little bit. So next, Mark Levin, born in 1968 in Detroit, Michigan. He was a screenwriter and director, and he worked a lot with Jennifer Flackett, and they're actually married. So they've basically been collaborators for their entirety, for the entirety of their directing and writing careers. Uh, they're best known for their work on Journey to the Center of the Earth and Nim's Island. But again, they don't have much other experience other than writing for those items, but they are married. So that covers both Mark Levin and Jennifer Lackett. And then most importantly, and obviously having the big role, the biggest role here is Nick Kroll. He was born in 1978 in New York, and he graduated with a degree in history, but with minors in art and Spanish. And he notes that he found himself gravitating more towards media studies as time went on. Uh, so he felt that he was not really a history major as he went through college. Like he graduated with a degree in history, but he didn't consider himself a history major by the end his, his wow. minor in art was much more important to him and the media studies was much more uh was much more appealing to him than anything else that's pretty cool um, but then he, he went on oh sorry no i mean Did you're I fine I, you? I just i didn't know that about him he played oh, he's yeah, so yeah. goofy and he always he, he does i mean everyone always says i write comedy is so much harder and it, it takes like yeah. a, it, you have to be incredibly smart to be a good comedian mm -hmm. and so it makes sense, but it's also just shocking. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I mean, history is not funny to me most of the time. No, it's pretty terrible. I would not associate time. history with comedy. Because no. usually when you learn about history, it's very, a lot of emphasis is on war. Yeah, but also you know? ma just majoring in it, though, just requires incredible amounts of intellect. True, very so. much so. Yeah, anyway, continue. 
after he graduated, he began his career as a writer with the uh, Ch with Chappelle's show on Comedy Central, and he also wrote for Human Giant on MTV. He then went on to tour with Aziz Ansari uh, during his Glow in the Dark stand-up tour, which was in 2008. But he describes his television breakout was when he co-starred in the ABC sitcom Cavemen, which only lasted seven episodes. It was canceled after seven episodes, but he considers it the most important experience of his professional career. And I think it because that gave him a, some insight into television in general. He would go on to star in the show The League, which came out in 2009 and aired from 2009 to 2015. He was a star on the show for the entirety of the show's time. Uh, being one of the main, I think it's six guys in the league, the fantasy league that they have. Um, and then while starring in the league, he created and starred in his own Comedy Central sketch series called The Kroll Show, which aired from January 2013 to March 2015. And then in 2016, he starred in The Oh Hello Show alongside John Mulaney, who he met and collaborated with a lot. The, the play on Broadway? Or was it an actual... Yeah, on broad, uh, yeah, premiered yeah, on Broadway okay. in September of 2016, and then they went on tour. Okay, and then they had the Netflix. Show. They had Netflix did a special for it too. Yes, Netflix did a special for it as well, but I think it's the same show. Yeah, it's the same exact show. It's just a recording of the right. Of one yes, of the, exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, Nick Kroll and Andrew Goldberg, or rather Andrew Goldberg. Goldberg approached Nick Kroll with his idea to develop a show about going through puberty. And so they just decided to start working on a show. Uh, he loved the idea. They wanted to start working on a show that was just based on many of their experiences growing up. And that's why the two main characters are named Andrew and Nick, uh, obviously with different last names. But the it's definitely very much tied into their lives. I think uh, they that the most notable scenes or the most notable information that came directly from their lives would be that Andrew went through puberty fairly early or uh, for a, a, a young man. And then Nick was kind of a late bloomer. So that being shown in the first episode is very much true to their real lives. One thing that I found, and, and again, I should note, there wasn't a lot of information on where they pitched this and how they got to Netflix. It was just a lot about this is what happened during the production, during the hiring mm, process. Okay. I mean, I imagine so, since Nick Kroll had already had like their Oh Hello special on Broadway on Netflix, right. probably just an entrance there, foot in the door at least. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. So there wasn't too much as far as any obstacles or anything getting in the way from them creating the actual show. Uh, it was just they came up with the idea. I'm guessing they just brought it to Netflix and Netflix loved it. So anyways, mm -hmm. um, one, one interesting thing that I read about Nick Kroll that I thought was interesting was that in December of last year, there was a report that his adult battle with eczema, uh, that he felt similar about his battle with eczema as he did growing up hitting puberty kind of late and going and kind of going through that feeling of helplessness with his body. Which I thought was very interesting, so it inspired some of the ideas and creativity around it. Um, so it wasn't entirely 
history to him some of mm -hmm. it was his current life and how, what he was currently going through so i thought that was just very interesting yeah that is and then um just as far as the the hiring of the writers group and the writers room they would interview writers and they would ask them about masturbation and they'd ask them about uh what else <laughs> they, they would ask them about masturbation in periods during the interviews so that by the time everybody was hired and got into the writer's room, they were all comfortable with each other. They had to know that these people were comfortable writing and talking about these things, because obviously if you weren't comfortable with that, you were yeah. not going to be a good writer for this it's show. It's so funny. Cause that's like, I feel like they probably had to sign something when going into the interview because I mean, in a way that can be seen as a form of sexual harassment, unless oh, yeah, you sign something prior to it saying, like, you know, you have to be okay with this kind of language. This is what's, yeah. you know. I'm assuming so. that on the application, there was some or, sort yeah, of, that. by submitting this application, you agree that you're okay you're with okay being with asked these questions. Yeah, this, or, yeah. But obviously, you can't read comfortability through an application. So I'm assuming that as part of the interview, they weeded oh, out. Oh, yeah, 100%. Seem uncomfortable. Yeah, I just mean logistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I... Yeah, I can't imagine the logistics that they would, the hoops that they might have had to jump through to get that application process, an interview process to be okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other thing about the writers is that on their first day, they asked all of the writers to bring in a picture of them from when they were a teenager in their awkward state to kind of make, give everybody an idea of what we're going for, what they were going for. So like, like here's That's awesome. here's a picture like so everybody's showing their pictures of the most awkward times of their lives being in high school and middle school saying like yeah this is where I came from and mm -hmm. so I think uh Andrew Goldberg made a joke that if you were too attractive you didn't understand what we were going with <laughs> <laughs> like if you were if you were a popular middle schooler you're not you're too you're too good for this writing group That's we need hilarious. people who were awkward in middle school what a form of discrimination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue yeah. with the... Um, a lot of these things are mostly just interesting facts that I found. Uh, the initial concept name for the show was the Bar Mitzvah Boys, but That's... they didn't feel like that captured the essence of being no. an awkward teenager. I also don't um, think it and... would have been as... I don't know. Big Mouth is just such a weird name for a show. Like the Bar Mitzvah Boys, I think, feel like would just like single out Bar Mitzvah Boys sounds like an improv group. Kind of, yeah. A like Jewish of, improv group. Of, yeah, a Jewish improv group called the Bar Mitzvah Boys. Um, eventually, obviously, they came up with Big Mouth, which is a nod to uh, Nick Kroll's famously large mouth. Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. that's how I read it. I, I've never heard somebody say, man, you know who's famous for having a big mouth? That Nick Kroll... Yeah, me either. Famously but large mouth. Obviously, in the episode, they reference it too, but I did not know yeah. that it was supposed to be a little uh, actual reference to the real Nick life Kroll. Nick Kroll. <laughs> yeah. Um. According to Andrew, the animation is not far off from the real life savage uh, middle school Nick Kroll. <laughs> That's so savage. Then there was. The Hormone Monsters, which was actually just an idea. I think it was Mark Levin's son 
Mark Levin drew a little bit from his son's own experiences with puberty while writing for this show and directing this show. It was his son who said, I just feel like there needs to be some sort of animation equivalent of puberty to which Andrew responded saying, you mean like a hormone monster? (laughs) And then later brought that idea to Nick Kroll on the phone the same day. And as soon as he mentioned it, apparently Nick Kroll already had a voice and mentioned in the voice of what I assume is the current voice of Of the the hormone monster, hormone monster. He said, touch yourself, Andrew. (laughs) And that like Andrew just instantly was like, yes, that is it. That's what we need. That's brilliant. That's that's how that's where the idea of a hormone monster came from. And so I just love that this whole show just seems to be just this little idea in passing became this entire scene and like a whole idea and concept for the show. Um, I mean, that just just, shows the genius of them, right? You can take a bunch of different concepts and put them all together to create one fluid show. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just amazing. And so I, I love that they take, it's all of their experiences and it's very personal to them. It's literally a lot of those scenes are literal shot for shot remakes of their childhood with just different names and animated with huge mouths. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and I think the last thing worth noting about the creation of this show was that they put a lot of emphasis on the female writers and directors in this show, because obviously they knew as men, they wouldn't have any understanding of the female pubescent time. You know, they, they wouldn't be able to write accurately what, a girl going through puberty would be like so mm-hmm. having having uh mark levin's wife jennifer flackett and maya rudolph and all of those um and and uh the actresses jesse klein and jenny slate i believe mm-hmm. they all um were definitely relied upon and obviously any female writers would that i that i wouldn't know the names of just because none of the actual writers were mentioned but any of the female writers uh, were very important in the writing of the show. Mm-hmm. And so I like I like that they put the emphasis on that. Yeah. It's balance, right? Yeah, exactly. Neither one's going to pretend much... they knew what it was like going through puberty as one gender or the other. Right. Yeah, and it's just as much a show about Nick and Andrew as it is a show about Missy and Jenny. Or, yeah, Jessie. Jenny, I think, is the... Jesse. Missy and Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's why it's great. Like, you have the female hormone monster. I mean, you don't find this out in the first episode, but later, it's like, I think, honestly, I think it's in the second episode that Connie yeah. shows up, right? So a- either way, it's it's just nice that they have a balance of the two, two options. Yeah. It's not just um, for men. It's not just like a show for boys. Like, it's... Right, exactly. Women can watch it and be like, yeah, that's kind of fucking what it was like. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and so that brings me to the kind of reception of the show is just that people would watch it and think, wow, that's just what it was like or what it is like going through this. And I feel and that they feel better and less alone going through puberty. And that was exactly what they were going for. They wanted a show that people felt relatable to Mm -hmm. and something that people could watch and go, you know what? I don't feel as embarrassed for how I acted and how I was in middle school after watching the show, knowing that there's enough of that experience to go around that they had to put a show, they had to make an entire scene in this yeah. episode. Well, it's a very, so. it's, it's interesting 
too, because it's a very, maybe not American, but westernized concept of like hiding these sorts of things, like not talking. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to making us talking taboo. Yeah, making it taboo, going back to even the fact that neither one of us had a proper understanding of sex education from school. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just, it's an interesting, these shows coming out now is just like, you can be like, wow, so yeah, it wasn't fucking weird. You know, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, society, for telling me that I can't, like, that this is, might be weird. It's not. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, no, not, I'm not trying to go totally, into detail. Like, you like pause right, and I was it, no, like, uh. It's it's totally just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know what, you know what, fuck you. Yeah, that's this is life. You know what, life is okay sometimes. And sometimes and, you go through the weird things in life, but we all do, okay. And humans are naturally oh, just yeah. fucking gross. So just We're all come gross. on, We're everyone's all gross. disgusting. Regardless of what mask you have on and how pretty and whatever, we're all nasty in our own ways. We're all nasty. Everybody poops. Everybody poops. <clears throat> exactly. Um. So yeah. Uh. The show has run for four seasons now. There are four full seasons on Netflix. It's been renewed through six seasons. So they're currently working oh, nice. on the fifth season. Uh, there's no set release date yet. Um, but one of the things that I thought was worth mentioning was that it, and, uh, actually in 2020, in the wake of George Floyd's death, it was, a, uh, it was Jenny Slate that decided to step down from voicing Missy's character in oh. lieu of allowing a black actress to take her place because she didn't feel it was her place to voice uh, a young black girl. Yeah. So I mean, as happy I as I am, that's interesting, and I love that she's doing that, and it's fucking awesome. I'm just going to be a little upset because I fucking love Jenny Slate's voice, and she plays <laughs> the character that we've known for the last four seasons. It's I hope whoever takes her place. Well, have you watched all of the fourth season? No, why? Oh, okay, I was just wondering the way you the way you just said that. Oh no no no! I did not finish. It. I didn't finish the fourth season yet. Um, but um, did that happen in so, the fourth season? Did the voice? Yeah, change? so it happened in the fourth oh, season. Jenny's, okay. Jenny's voice is she. So Jenny recorded in advance, so her voice is the same for most of the season, and then it's the last two episodes where the new actress Ao Edabiri takes her uh takes over as Missy. Okay. Um, so I haven't watched it. Like I said, I've only watched the first season, but I'd be interested to hear what you think <laughs> yeah. of yeah, I have to finish that it. change, how, how, how drastic that change might be. I mean, Jenny so anyways, Slate yeah. is just, then, her so voice is just so, so specific. It feels so specific, right? So I, yeah. I, I mean, even watching it, I was like, I don't know how somebody could mock that voice. But then again, like, there are a ton of people I don't people think out she's going to mock really it, right? Good voices. I was going to say, I, I feel like the way... Uh, not mock it, sorry. I just meant, like, do the same voice, you know? But like, even still, I think that they would probably... Do that same voice. It's a perfect show to be like, she goes through puberty and now her voice is different. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I guess that's <laughs> so, very true. So it could be totally different. To I don't know. It, it almost <laughs> would be more accepting to be like, oh, wow, I've gone through puberty now. <laughs> and like totally change it because then it, it really rocks. honors the fact that they're changing the actress, you know. I don't know. I need to watch yeah, it. I, I guess, haven't I haven't I mean, seen it. So I need to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. But I, I just thought it was very is, interesting. Is she doing any other voices on the show or no? Is she completely off the show? Um Honestly, I don't know. Oh, I was uh, just curious. No that's worries. the only main know. character that she does, I think. Mm -hmm. Um I will say, however, that the show has been 
set for a spinoff called Human Resources. Oh, actually, my sister told universe. me about that. But it's the hormone monsters, right? Yeah, it's the hormone monsters yeah. um, in their little office and being mm -hmm. assigned, I think, to little kids going through puberty. So yeah, so but that that spinoff has been approved and uh, nice. is in the process of, I think, I assume it's in the process of finding people. I don't think it's been like, I don't think they've started any production on it yet. I mean, they're already approved for two seasons on this, like two more seasons. So I wouldn't be surprised if they wait to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Anyways. <laughs> that's it. That's, Brains, that's, it. Nope, that's Big Mouth for you. Oh, I see. Yeah. No, that's cool. It's a lot. Of, I like the interesting stuff. I, it's so interesting because we picked two Netflix shows, which I feel like Netflix, they either do a really good job of covering up any issues that they have within productions or they just are good to their productions. Once they approve a project, they just let the, the creatives go and do their thing. Yeah, that's very okay. true. I mean, we've definitely touched on some shows that had a lot of difficulty getting started and and this like during their productions, the, having networks the be exception like, to that. Yeah. Yeah. Where so. we have two shows that had no issues. Yeah. Do you want to do superlatives um, so yeah, for this one? Let's do some superlatives. I went first last time, so how about uh -huh. you go first? I'll go, yeah, I'll go first. Uh my favorite character that I you know, best character to me was the hormone monster. I, I just love Same. him. He's just Same. so perfect and especially knowing how he was created now too. It's just like even more so, it's just like it's the perfect way. It's the perfect thing to have. It's like a small voice in your head that's in the form of this big ass hormone monster being like, "Yeah, do it." And, I just and his head it. is just shaped like a dick. <laughs> and his nose is shaped balls, like rather. a dick. It's it's like it's all still great. Everything on him is perfect. basically a big penis, and I love it. Yes. So he's yeah. a dick. He's a dick. He is a dick. He is that a guy's dick. a dick. He is. But yeah, a hormone monster so yeah, was same. my favorite. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, worst character, it's kind of hard for me to pick a worst character from being completely honest, but it was difficult for me as well, but I'm interested to see if you picked one or if you want to hear mine first, cause I picked one for sure. I mean, I picked one, but now I'm kind of curious what yours is. Well, you go first. Okay, fine. That's what this is I all picked, about. he wasn't in it all that much, but I, I picked Jay just cause like, Jay. He, he's not like necessarily a worst character, but he's the one that kind of makes Andrew and Nick feel the most maybe not the most insecure about themselves because that's kind of just coming from from them but he's like very confident and just kind of like a douche about things a lot and obviously He's played by jason manzoukas who yeah. is known for playing douchebag characters exactly so it's just like something i love about jason manzoukas in yeah. general <laughs> oh 100 so it's like his he's it, you know again necessary evils and I, I don't know that there really even is a necessary evil because the true necessary evil in this entire show is the whole puberty, puberty hormones that is the necessary evil so it's like it was hard to pick a character but for me jay if this was like a first experience jay would i just i, I feel like i remember jay being the one that i was like the most irritated with when i first yeah, watched this i can too. see that i picked nick's mom oh interesting and it's only because like she says things that i don't care how comfortable you are talking about sex with your children there are just things you shouldn't say. Like, I just want to stuff you back in there. Like, you just don't True. say that. <laughs> you don't say that to your son. Yeah. That's just weird. And you know he's in middle school going through puberty. Like, that's just, come on. Yeah. That's just cruel. <laughs> <laughs> You're just fucking with his brain even more. 
Like, you yeah. know he's going through puberty. You know what's going on in his brain right now. That's just going to fuck him up more. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So, yeah, that's the only reason. It's just like, yeah. I, like I mean, I, I yeah. like she's obviously nice and very accepting. And it's great that you can feel comfortable around your child like that. But you have to understand that also your child has to feel comfortable about that or mm -hmm. it's very awkward and you're just fucking them up. <laughs> yeah. Which is again, something that's not like a cool, I can nod it back to sex education is a great way that they even end that episode for sex education. It's like, yeah, his mom is horrendously awkward the entire show because he doesn't want to talk about it. And in the end of the episode, he's like, I can't masturbate and I don't want to talk about it right now. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, I just found an ability to relate it again. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, my favorite, favorite part scene? though, two. I have two. I couldn't. I couldn't pick between the two. I'm sorry. So one of my favorite scenes is when Nick, when they're in the car, when Nick's in the car with his parents, and he tells them that he saw Andrew's penis, and and his dad just goes. What and now you're afraid you're gay, son? It's okay. You can hold a penis. You can even kiss a penis, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're gay. <laughs> I just, I love it so much because it's just a freaking, that is a funny scene. That is so funny. Just, it's so. Fred Armisen, who plays his dad, just does it so well, and it just, I just love it so much. And honestly, if there was more of his parents in this, I would have had a really hard time in the pilot episode. I would have had a really hard time picking best character because his dad is just so premium with that <laughs> stuff. And I, I just love it. It just cracks me up. Yeah. But then yeah, my no, second. I love, I love the way Fred Armisen plays it. Oh, yeah. Plays 100%. Him. Just, he's so good. But then my second favorite one is when Nick calls the hormone monster, the hormone hormone fairy. And he's like, the fuck you just call me? No, the puberty, the puberty oh, fairy. Oh, sorry, the puberty fairy. Yeah, sorry. When he calls him the puberty fairy, and he's just like, the yeah. fuck you just call me? He's like, I mean, I, I like dudes, but that doesn't mean I'm a fairy. <laughs> I just, I love that. <laughs> I love that whole fucking bit. It's so good. What's your oh, favorite? Oh, man. Those, were, those are great, but my favorite scene is um, when they're sitting in uh andrew's room it's andrew and the hormone monster on his bed and he's mm -hmm. trying to think about like why nick would uh be kind of a dick to him and he's like i'll oh, forget about nick just let's, let's just masturbate to the scene for to the scene from dallas buyers club and try not to think about aids and he's like andrew i thought about aids <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great scene they're just there just are so that many line. good ones fuck Andrew, there's a ton of good scenes. This, thinking about AIDS this now. is a very um it, it is a it is a show. It's got a lot of one liners. They're mm -hmm. they're good. Oh yeah, easily. Um, so it's it's very funny. Oh yeah. Uh do you have a least favorite scene? I had a hard time picking it, uh, but I did pick one. Um and it's not again, it's it's more show for the cringe factor. It's when Andrew is dancing with Missy and then just comes all over her. And oh, it's yeah. just like, I'm just like, God. And Missy's so innocent and has no idea. She's like, oh, what What was yeah. that? And you're just like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's very cringe. Funny, but cringe. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I think my least favorite scene is. And again, it's not a bad scene. It's mm -hmm. just. um. Uh, and it's not cringe. It's just it it makes me reflect on my own life. But uh, the <laughs> scene where they fight in the hall. Oh, uh, yep. You know, it's just like you hate to see two friends fight kind of thing. Yeah. You know how close they are. 
So, I like so it. yeah, I like it. That's why that's my least favorite scene. But it's that's it's fair. very simple. It's straightforward, and it's just like you know, yeah. Growing up, I've I've fought we've with my there. friends. I remember we've all been there. But it's it's like your least favorite thing to remember a fight oh, that you yeah. had with your best friend. Yeah, you know, and the fact that you're still friends, or at least with me, the fact that I'm still friends with them is a reason that I know that they're such a good friend. Nice. I like it. It's a good one. Yeah. Noodly stars. What'd you give it? I really What's didn't want to huh? give it a seven, but I gave it a seven. It's just, <laughs> it's so well done. It's so funny. It's relatable regardless of your age, whether you're remembering something or if you're a kid probably experiencing it. Like, obviously it's not appropriate for like really young audiences, but at the end of the day, it is talking about what it is like to go through puberty and, you know, if there weren't so many curse words, it's fucking totally appropriate, right? Like, it's just like, yeah, it's a totally like, relatable. You could make a similar show. show for children that touches on puberty in a more comedic light that would still make it feel serious. Mm -hmm. And that's what this show does, but it's just not made for children. Yeah. But I, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't not give it a seven. It was just so fucking well done. It's I, just such a well done show. I believe it's very well done. I mean, I think it's a great show. I didn't give it a one or a two by any means, but I gave it a five. Oh, interesting. Okay. And that's that's mostly because that's just personal. Like, it's a little bit on the – it's not something that I could really binge, which is a reason why I only watched the first season and I didn't go back for the second or third season or anything like that. Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, it's, that's fair, It's yeah. because it's not a show I can binge because I can't watch that much – that much cringeworthy that, stuff. That much cringe over and, and honestworthy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like so so much of the reason that I watch TV and streaming and stuff like that is to escape reality. And when stuff gets that cringy, it's almost too real. And yeah. it's just like like, oh, I don't want to think about my awkward middle school years right now. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> so no, that's, that's like totally that's fair. the only reason I would give it a five. Yeah. Um that night, I'm not a huge fan of. I am. I'm a fan of like streaming services releasing stuff, but I'm. I'm not a huge fan of the way Netflix releases stuff, where you re you release it all, mm. and it feels like you almost have to binge it as soon as it gets released. God, you're I so like opposite it of other the way. People. What? Sorry, so you're so opposite of other people. People love I know. binging. I, I'm, I'm very I weird, but I like the way that Disney Plus has done it, and the way that Amazon does it, where you get one, one episode, episode a week. week. Yeah if you're watching it at the same time that it's being released and it's if you want to wait and you know binge it when it's all over that's great that's possible you just yeah. have to wait until it's over to do that yeah. it's something that i just i'm not a huge fan of i yeah. totally understand why they do it because people will do it people will binge it all that's fair do you want to wrap it up yeah i can wrap it up um i mean like we usually do we discussed you know the ins and outs of how these kind of shows relate to one another in their own ways, uh, as we discussed each show, but overall, two very well done shows discussing topics that have, as we've said previously in this podcast, that are usually something to be shush shush about and not talked about, and two very successful shows that both have future seasons coming up, talking about sex and puberty, and yeah, I mean... Great Let's creators. Let's baby. Let's talk about. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much more to say. We've we've compared and contrasted as we've gone through it, and they're both really good shows that both of us enjoy in our own ways, and we both highly recommend. I mean, I highly recommend both of them. I don't know about you, Chase, but I would recommend them too. I 
Yeah. I think they were they're both great shows. Yeah. So yeah. That that's all. Binge worthy TV. Binge worthy indeed. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate you for taking the time to do so. As we've come to realize, we don't seem to have the time to record much during the summer between celebrations and family vacations. So we're thinking of making this the last episode of our first season. But don't fret. We'll be back for another one. If you don't currently, go ahead and follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Back to the Pilot. If you think of a show that you'd like to hear us discuss next season, leave a comment, let us know, or just reach out to us. A lot of you have our number. We hope you've all enjoyed the first season of our podcast, and we're already excited for the next. As always, we hope you had a fantastic time listening, and we'll see you next season where we take you back to the pilot. So long, everybody. I mean, that was great. You crushed that. You think so? Yeah, that sounded beautiful. I, I ad-libbed some stuff in there. Oh, shit. Look at you I was getting like, better at I was this. so nervous. I was so nervous. Like, <laughs> I got to the end of a sentence, and I was like, there's definitely more that I should be saying. No, that sounded perfect. <laughs> like, I don't even think you need to I do another it. one. It sounded perfect. Sweet. It sounded fluid yeah, and natural. I couldn't, I couldn't repeat what I just said, honestly. That's fair. No, I liked it. It sounded great. I muted myself, Sweet. but I made some. I made some claps and noises. I hoot hooted. No, <laughs> I like in the background. <laughs> yeah. Woo! <Woo-hoo>. Yeah. <laughs> I just mute myself in Discord, but you can just hear my woot woots all the way through the recording. <laughs> That'd be so fucking funny. Oh, no, I think man. it was good. Well done. Damn. Sweet. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Should we end this with a boom? Nailed it. I mean, boom! Fucking nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed Fuck it. Fuck yeah. <laughs>